and then they gave me a call and said listen guys because we're gonna open again can you work for another hotel to cook food for the quarantine people coming back home uh, from overseas and well I, I pretty much straight away I said yeah sure you know uh, let's do it and you know in your head you sort of think okay is it gonna be a good day or a bad day If there's one good thing I can say about the pandemic, it's that it's connected me with so many new people. One of those is Agustin Hernandez, who has been, uh, we've been chatting on Instagram. He's big on the emojis and he's he's just a, a really, he just always has good energy coming my way. Agustin is 53. He's an out of work chef. And I was reading back over our messages, Agustin, and one of the things you said really struck me. It was, you, it was that you came to Australia with nothing and nothing is your strength. So there's so many things I want to talk to you about today. But first of all, hello and welcome to Dirty Linen. Hello. Uh, no, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, and, and bear with me. I'm a little bit nervous. I've never been kind of, uh, what, exposed to the public, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's just a chat. So we're super happy to be chatting to you. And I know that what you're, I know that your experiences are going to mean a lot to many people who are listening. Now, the, well, the first thing that I want to talk to you about, Agustin, is that you were a chef in Melbourne during the hotel quarantine period. We've heard so much about hotel quarantine. There's, um, there's an inquiry into it at the moment. We know that uh, the uh, the people who were infected with COVID-19 that were uh, working at the um, hotel quarantine in the city, that, that many of those people were the source of the virus that caused our second wave. So it's a pretty, it's going to be a big thing in the story of Melbourne for decades to come, that is for sure. You were there um, in the thick of it, at the centre of it, and I would love you to talk about what took you to that job and what it was like to be there. Um, well, what took me to to the job basically is because the uh, the company um, and that I work for is, is quite large, so they have several hotels. And um, when I thought that, I mean, they sort of more or less said, "Look, it's almost to the day when I don't know if you remember uh, or, or of anyone of the audience that when Qantas was told to shut down by eighty percent or something like that literally two days after that's when I lost my job I wouldn't say lost my job it was just I mean with the logistics of it all you didn't have the hours well yeah and but they pretty much shut down the 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 hotel Um, and to their merit they actually accepted a lot of homeless people uh, whom they still stay in there and whatsoever so I know I know of a really sticky situation they did good uh and anyway and uh and i was just on pretty much on a standby uh i didn't know what was going to happen so since i haven't had a holiday for a while i didn't really became concerned about all of it and then they gave me a call and said listen guys because we're gonna open again can you work for another hotel um to supply or cook food for the quarantine people coming back home uh, from overseas and well I, I pretty much straight away i said yeah sure you know uh, let's do it um and yes it was uh, to your second part it, it was actually it was rather tense and uh, probably even eerie how 
Um, I don't. I don't know what experience um, the general public have, but when you walk into a room, and you can feel the tension, even though there's people you know uh, in the hospitality industry. When you walk into a kitchen or you walk into a restaurant to start your your shift, uh, you just feel a tension, um, and. And then, and you know, in your head, you sort of think, okay, is it gonna be a good day or a bad day? Um, so, yeah. yeah, and it's just that's across the industry. It's got nothing to do with with the quarantine. I think it's more that it's more accentuated or or, or more predominant that people feel that tension and they don't mean to. Uh, yeah, but it was quite tense. Because the whole industry was closing down around us. I guess nobody knew what we were in the thick of. It was just beginning then. So as far as being in hotel quarantine, what kinds of things did you see in the hotel that, you know, that were different from just working in a hotel and a, a normal day, a normal week for normal guests? Um, I did see a lot of uh, uh, security guards. Um, and uh, in the back of my mind, because I was already, for the lack of a better phrase, preconditioned through the news that um, uh, security guards are being used for safety and this and that, but they didn't quite explain uh, which hotels or whatever. They just said an overall kind of uh, action. Uh, when I went there, I mean, you know, when you see things through the news, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then when you get there, you, you just feel a different tension. And uh, you walk into the hotel in a normal day, you got to uh, write down your name, what time you walked in, um, you wash your hands or you disinfect your hands with the antiseptic bottles that they have floating around. Um, and uh, you walk in and um, you, you, you are just, uh, you do your greetings to your work colleagues uh, and you see a lot of, what not you, but I saw a lot of uh, security guards floating around. Mm. And do yeah. the security guards seem to be, I don't know, did they seem very focused on their job? Did you see other medical staff? Did you see other things in the hotel that gave you a sense that there was a quarantine operation going on? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, it's weird because with the security guards, you thought, oh, okay, you know, they, they, they're trying to make sure no one from a stranger comes in from outside. I understood that, and they were very friendly, and they were guided, very chill. Like they didn't give you the ABC uh, questioning and so on. Who are you? And and if they didn't know me, and uh, they would call the main office just to check on my name that I'm actually a worker there. So that was pretty quick type of thing and so on. Um, and that that's a level of um, uh, uh, a bit of a wow, but I was still relaxed about it because, you know, when growing up, you go to a nightclub and you have interaction with a security guard, so you don't really cross in your mind how serious it is. Uh, the the, the uh, poignant moments that during my working days there was at a time when uh, being two hotels joined 
and then you travel from one kitchen to the other and so on. Uh, I saw like a, a, a little group of uh, four or five uh, nurses uh, with PPE in the uh, lift. That's when it kind of um, hits home, I guess, uh, or, you know, reality hits you a little bit harder. And it, without any thought, I just froze. I didn't know whether to walk into the 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 the, the, the lift or not. Uh, and they all had a giggle and and they said, "Oh look, come on in. We haven't seen any uh, quarantine. What do you call them? Clients or patients or <laughs> yes, <laughs> or poor bastards." Um, and, and yeah, and I sort of oh, okay. So you know, and they just got off their floor and headed off to whatever they usually do and I headed off to the other kitchen to um, get my produce and so on. But that was the, the the big one when I saw all the nurses in the PE at PPE. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, you said it was quite tense. I mean, as the days went on, did it just feel like another job or did you feel like you were um, at the epicentre of uh, the, I guess, Victoria's action to keep the virus contained? N- n- no, I don't know about the other guys. Uh, what happens in our industry, we, we can be very short-fused with each other and very patient with our customers. So because we didn't really touch on customers, we were pretty much um, uh, short fuse and informative, sort of like ABC type of work. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to understand whether we're tense or it's just normal service, if that makes sense. Uh, because it, because see, I, I judge it this way. At the end of the day, we're all smiles and say our good nights and see you tomorrow or whatever. So it, yeah, it's kind of a little bit uh, what is it? Uh, schizophrenic, if that makes sense, uh, in a polite way. Um, but in my own view, uh, I felt tense uh, out of the whole thing. Uh, I was lucky enough that. Most of the work I did was on my own uh, in the late afternoon to the evening, uh, preparing for the next day. So I was pretty much on, on, in a kitchen on my own. There was another kitchen which did the bulk uh, of uh, setting up the whole thing. And every time I went to the kitchen to ask for something, uh, there was very regimented, uh, okay, you have 200, which... Uh, one of those things that continuously happen in our industry now, uh, dietaries. So they have a huge list of uh, when, I mean, and yeah, and that really created even more tension. You know, okay, room A, pop, 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 room B, pop, 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 pop. no, room C is like this. The room D is like that. That's the difference between one and the other, and and it was just. That kind of organized uh, chaos. Okay, and if you were if you were in quarantine, if you were yeah, as as we say, a client or a customer or a patient, I don't know either. Could they order whatever they wanted from the room service menu? 
Uh, yes, that was uh, my thing. I was the one. Okay, so I would do uh, 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 mass production for the bulk of a set menu for everybody. Uh, that was the first level to, to cook the bulk. The second level was to distribute the food. They also did bulk cooking, uh, of course, because one person cannot cook for 200 in, in, in a two-day notice. It's, it's just way too much. So you have then the second group, which is a, a, a team, which will distribute and cook that extra bits and pieces and distribute the dietary requirements. Um, and then there was the, and you could tell by the seven o'clock to eight o'clock touching 8.30 mark, uh, that people wanted something different. That's when I came in. I used to cook, uh, all pretty much the volume of the a la carte menu. If it did, they didn't quite enjoy what they were eating or they wanted something different or whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny, you know, like I don't have any dietaries myself, but I can imagine if I was in hotel quarantine for two weeks, I would just be so bored and you have so little control that I feel like maybe I would just need to try to like have some measure of choice and create some kind of annoying dietary for, for you guys. Um, so given that we heard, you know, after, or after you were working there, we heard about the um, the virus escaping from hotel quarantine. Did that surprise you or did you feel like that was a situation that was waiting to happen? Well, that's right. And, and, and that was like a bit of an eye-opener. This is not a, a, an intellectual exercise, uh, what I'm about to say. But when I saw the nurses being covered from top to bottom to go to the rooms of the, uh, 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 let's call it the guest, they need to be recognize that it was unwanted from this side anyway to be there. Uh, so, you know, the, the guests were there uh, and the nurses are covered from top to bottom. And then you see the security guards, this is the controversial part of it all, uh, sure they were in suits and looking the part and whatsoever. But when I hear, okay, to be fair, I didn't see it, but I hear that they sort of go to each floor when somebody wants to have a smoke, uh, have a walkabout, and kind of chill out a bit, a security guy's present and whatsoever. But in no, at no point did I see the security guards as much protected, only with the mask, uh, as, and they were not as much protected as the nurses. I, I, it conflicts your mind. It just conflicts your mind. It's like me telling in simple terms, uh, um, you're in an operating room. All the doctors and nurses are covered from top to bottom, but then the person who has to come in to get rid of the linen is not protected. It just comes in, picks up the linen, and walks away. It, it doesn't make sense in my mind. Uh, yeah, so it was a weird thing to see, that's all. Augustine, we had another situation in Melbourne that was it's, it's going to be a big part of the Melbourne story when we look back upon the pandemic, and that was the hard lockdown of the social housing towers in, um, in North Melbourne, Kensington and Flemington. Now, I understand that you lived in those towers for a time when you um, were new to Australia. Can you talk about your experience there and, and what you think it would have been like for those people when um, those towers were locked down? 
yeah, look, uh, I lived in the uh, north in that particular block for probably about uh, five years or so, uh, and uh, all in all, I lived in that. A, a, a block of units uh, for 15 years, meaning I used to live in the walk-ups. Then the walk-ups were demolished and uh, units were built, but then we were shifted to the block that was televised with uh, uh, the people in there. And um, it's heartbreaking that we still don't understand that when such a big volume of people live in a building, if it's not taken properly care of, it actually gets very messy. Uh, and you're looking at that the lift uh, breaks every other uh, moment in the year. And uh, uh, and even if you have a good uh, caretakers there whatsoever, uh, the action is not implemented until it's totally broken down and then it becomes a real problem. Uh, and I thought it would change, but it seems that it had never changed. And I'm talking about more than 20 years ago. Um, yeah, and, and it's in, and um, to me, anyway, it, it, look, long story short, it's very heartbreaking how they were treated. Yeah. Um, so you're originally from the Canary Islands, is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right, yes. Okay. And you came to Australia in what year? 1977. I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. You've been here a long time. <laughs> so Yeah, I, I, I'm almost a Aussie, almost. So I think a lot of people that work in the hospitality industry have been, you know, wondering what's next and they've had time to consider their future. And I know that you've done a lot of thinking as well as you've been, um, yeah, working around the house and working here and working there, but also having a lot of time to think. So tell me how you see the future for yourself as a chef, Agustin. You know, what do you see a place for yourself in the industry in the future? Uh the, the short answer is no, uh, and it's not because the lack of uh, uh, my experience. It's more to do that uh, even when I'm in the industry, um, uh, a young wave of chefs are coming in and whatsoever. So it, it, it's almost like a a, a personal. Uh, okay, let me pull back a little bit. I never think uh, 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 as on my own or whatsoever. I always think, okay, I reached this level uh, in my behavior, what type of ethics do I need to think about? Because uh, I've had my run of 20 plus years, probably 23 now, and it's a new wave of young people coming uh, and I measure my in my thoughts that they will pick on the young generation in order to be in the industry regardless of uh, how much experience I have so it, it's kind of I have no idea where the industry will go um, of course I, I would love to keep on going in the industry but I don't see it highly likely. Uh, what will you do? Do you see other options for yourself? 
Well, at, at the moment, coincidentally, probably yesterday or the day before, uh, Homesclean is advertising some type of uh, free courses and so on. Um, so it's about, I don't know, somebody... Uh, I, I don't know, it's kind of blank. I, I just need to keep on reading and uh, working out with, um, you know, at 53... Um, and I've got, uh, let's see what we're looking at, uh, 53, uh, let me give myself, be generous, give myself another 10 years of work, uh, uh, and I say, oh, I can train myself to something which it takes about three years or so, and so on, and then in the idea of coming back down to lower wages because I'm a learning apprentice or a learning intern or whatever, that, that is a little bit tricky uh, because also um, I can, I know I can, for the lack of a better expl uh, explaining, I can clean toilets and earn more than an apprentice, <laughs> depending what type of apprenticeship, obviously. Yeah, well, it's an it's, a, it's an issue. I mean, you know, you've got a lot of working years ahead of you um, and I think you're right that I think employers would uh, look towards younger people coming through, well, you know, whether that's for good reasons or not. Um, but I think the longevity for people in the hospitality industry is really, it's a big issue and, you know, it's, I guess the pathway towards owning businesses and being an employer is, is going to suit some people but it's not going to be the right pathway for everybody. And I... I mean, what? Yeah, it, what's what's going to happen? <laughs> what 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 are you going to do? It's like, if, yeah, yeah. It, it, it just like uh, see, it, it's very different if I, you know, things as normal, and I decide, ah, oh, you know what? Yeah, I had enough of cooking. You know, I enjoy it. And my wife is telling me to stop cooking too much at home. Put it that way. Like it's it just in me. I always say that I didn't choose cooking. Cooking chose me. To give you an idea, I actually did a couple of years of uh, electronics engineering in Swinburne. Uh, but it wasn't my thing, even though I enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't my thing. Uh, then I became a Spanish interpreter. And I did my thing again for four or five years. That, that was under a wonderful Jeff Kennett. I'm being sarcastic there, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm just leaving that hanging. I'm not, yeah, I'm not a massive fan of Jeff Kennett. So yeah, I'm not either. I'm so, yeah, I'm not, actually, <laughs> sorry. It just it's not, not just because I hate the Hawthorne Football Club as well, but I certainly uh, do, not, do not align with Jeff Kennett on many of his actions as no, Premier. But anyway. I, I, ironically, I got on, I actually see, because then, back then I was nice and young and, you know, all energetic and, and go get her whatsoever so when i found out that jeff cannon uh, came in that's when i decided after four years of doing interpreting he started cutting a lot of uh, finance for interpreting so that's when i became a cook that was my next option uh because yeah i i, I could plan it because you know it's kind of like oh yeah i've got a plan here i i, I wasn't fast uh, in, not that now I'm married or whatever but even now I still think the same as, as if I am a single man my decisions are always um, as a single man and a push for that because it gives me more energy 
uh, in, in perception. Anyway, <laughs> so I quit interpreting, which was damn good money uh, for cooking. Uh, and I cried for two years, and here I am. Uh, and I literally mean I cried for two years. Uh, it was awful at the beginnings. And you know, and um, but now it's different. It's, it just this happened. What type of training am I able to do mentally and physically? The whole game changes. I'll give it a benefit. My mind is still as sharp as it can be. But my body is saying, I'm going to leave you soon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a different... It's a dilemma. Yeah. It's a dilemma. And I think a lot of people for you know different reasons, whether it's business related, whether it's their body's telling them it's time to stop, whether um, they're feeling like there aren't as many opportunities. Uh, it's, um, yeah, there are a lot of people on the cusp of some interesting decisions and certainly a lot of uncertainty. Um, Augustine, it's, I think you're such an interesting person to talk to. I love hearing uh, different voices uh, around me and, in, and especially in this podcast. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your perspective. It's really great. I look forward to chatting to you more um, on Instagram in the meantime, but it's uh, really great to bring your voice to my audience on Dirty Linen today. Thank you. No, look, my my real pleasure. Like, uh, uh, as you can see, I can give you many other stories, but uh, for another time, if ever, uh, look, the the only thing I can uh, I can say is not to be uh, optimistic, but to have convictions as a person for anyone in the industry, uh, just to have a, a create or build a conviction that uh, even when sometimes we're struggling blindly, uh, you will see results of some kind. Uh, more important is to be in touch with each other. More important is to make sure you have a roof, you are clean, and you're being fed. The rest, you can work it out. But just to have the fundamentals of, of, of one's existence, the rest will, will work out. It, it just it slowly and be gentle with yourself to create a conviction and then move along from that. And I'm sure something will happen. Beautiful. Very wise words. Uh, thank you so much for sharing them. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.